Welcome to Jesus Has Left the Building, where we hear from guests all over the country who have been engaging in creative, bold, and fluid outside the box, I mean outside the church building ministry, that has inspired us to think outside the box and outside the church building too. This is the Jesus Has Left the Building podcast, where ministers, activists, scholars, authors, liturgy makers, where God's beloved community has left the building too, with Marta and Mandy. Hello, Juniper Formation, at least um, two of our friends from Juniper Formation are with us today on Jesus Has Left the Building. Uh, we have Jenny Witcher and Javon Bracy, who are both ministers with Juniper, and um, I'm going to turn it over to them to talk to us about the ministry of Juniper Formation, um, the people who you work with, where you're located, what your origin story is. Just talk to us about this super cool ministry that you do in the world. Great. Thank you. Good to be here with you both. Um, Juniper Formation is a local church of the United Church of Christ, and we are digital. We were born during COVID. We're two years old. Um, so we do meet in person, um, some of our groups, but we're all in digital space. We're not property owning. And that affects how we do ministry, as you can imagine. Um, our mission is to prophetically reimagine the church from the margins. And where that mission and kind of our origin came from is twofold. One is it's based on the scripture, the Elijah story um, in the Hebrew text, where Elijah had made a giant mess um, <laughs> and this was escaping um, death from the queen and ran out into the desert and found a broom tree or a juniper tree to rest under and went to God and said, God, just take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And God um, would not do that and instead sent an angel to bring hotcakes and water. So food, sustenance, energy to Elijah. And the angel had to keep coming to wake him up and get him going saying, you know, there's more prophetic work for you ahead. You know, your life is not over. God's not done with you yet. And Elijah went on to become a teacher of prophets. And so Juniper formation formation is about development, about learning, um, that we're always in formation in ministry. So, and we seek to be a place where people can, yes, absolutely come and rest um, when they're feeling threatened, when um, things are not going well, when they're exhausted and overwhelmed, but also we're a place of rejuvenation and encouragement and motivation to keep going to do prophetic ministry because it is hard work. So that is some of our origin. The, another part of the story is I used to um, work at a theology school and I was in overseeing all the contextual education or education that is out in settings in the church, nonprofit in the world, hospital, chaplaincy. And during my time at that school, the what I kept seeing that was heartbreaking were students being called to new forms of ministry in the church as a whole, both theological, you know, seminary school, the local church, judicatories did not genuine generally successfully know how to accompany and support and encourage those students so they either exited ministry um, or their ministries exited the church so juniper formation was created as a place where we could support people doing new things in ministry Javon, do you want to awesome. talk about um like who we work with and kind of who's drawn to us 
So um, Juniper Formation is an entity that is led by women and non-binary folks. Um, we are multi-ethnic. We are open and affirming of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, people who have different abilities and, and, and ways of moving through the world that are reflected um, in that regard. Um, and that's really who, who we are and who we hope to work with. People who, as our mission says, are on the margins, right? People who've been pushed out of the center of leadership, people who have not been given space to be all they are and do all they have been created and called to do um, in the church and in the world. So um, yeah, I think that's who we are is reflective of who we hope to continue to work with and collaborate with in the world. Yeah, I can totally appreciate all that you have said about Juniper. It sounds remarkable because I um, am a student at a theological school right now also. And those are some of the questions that keep on coming up even for me in my studies there. Like, how am I supposed to do this prophetic work when the institution hasn't gotten there yet? And so I, I, I'm always at like, what does it mean to, um, to research and find scholars who are actually doing this, but the way you want the, the model that you want me to be put into is actually not bringing those creative outside the box, people on the margins, um, very unique ways of people showing up in the world. And so I, I can appreciate what Juniper has uh, created um, in that space. And, and I think my next question, and what I'm curious about is, and this isn't necessarily question two, and I, and I will get to that, but what makes Juniper different? Mm, there's a lot of things that make us different. <laughs> that's that's the pot. That's the long pause. We're like, where do we start? Yeah. Um, one of the big things that I think is different in terms of how other people perceive us who are more familiar with traditional church. I found myself as laughing um, the other day because I keep finding myself being like, yeah, our gathering, which meets on Zoom uh, twice on Thursdays a month, that's our form of worship. Like, because I'm trying to translate for them. But that's not actually true, right? Like that is what looks similar to folks like traditional worship. But the truth is that our intention and our actions are that all of what we do is worship. So our energy, our resources, our money, our people, our gifts and talents, that's all directed into ministry teams that are doing ministry versus um, where a lot of churches, most of their resources are and energy is focused on a Sunday worship or whenever they worship, right? A weekly worship. Um, so our way of being in the world is worship. So that's a huge difference that impacts our whole structure. So Javon, how about you? What's one, what's one of? Well, <laughs> well um, Jenny, you mentioned before, just in terms of um, not owning land and not having a physical space um, that exists that is Juniper Formation space. And so what that has um, what that has compelled us to do is to navigate virtual space and navigate di digital space 
with a deep level of intention, right? So Jenny mentioned the gathering, which is how we, um, you know, create together and dialogue together and pray together and just reflect together. But then also using things like Mighty Networks, which is a, a gathering space uh, of a virtual home um, for Juniper Formation to have conversations and check in and share news and all of that stuff, as well as the Reframe app and, um, you know, devotionals daily. Right now we're moving through um, the Linson season on Reframe. So really intentionally navigating digital space together, uh, virtual space together. And um, I hope it is reflective in our language, um, the way that we have, that we are also intentionally divesting from hierarchy. We think about things in terms of collaboration. We think about things in terms of teams. Um, you know, as Jenny mentioned, sometimes in order to translate for people, we have to use language that is a little bit more familiar to others um, to help them to see things, um, to help them to see things clearly. But really having a, 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 a genuine team-based model, um, a structure that is, that is flattened um, and um, people working in partnership with one another, people collaborating, people co-creating um, and not thinking about um, like hierarchy in the same way. So, so I'm thinking about the, um, in the spirit of that shared language. So just for our listeners out there, Juniper Formation, would you say is a faith community, a church, a... Both. Both, okay. I mean, like so I... on paper, we're a church. I think we talk, okay. we use both languages. Um, okay. I think what's tough is a lot of people, when you say church, they think of the building on Main Street, right? Um, which is not what church literally means. And even the IRS has lots of, you know, thoughts about what church is and isn't, um, which is not, I think in Christian tradition, church is a community of Christians, right? It's a faith community. So we use both languages. So the other thing that I want to, I want to, I want to try to like dig into deeply because I think many of our colleagues and, um, and church people out there all use the word collaboration, non-hierarchical, and I'm using air quotes, and co-creating, and um, uh, you know all of those those words that like are of of this moment, but they're not really actually doing that, right? And so, what is it? What does that um, look like at Juniper Formation? Because I know that it looks different, and I know that you are really you both are all, and all are doing some really radical work. And um, and for whatever reason, not all of us can do work in that way for a whole slew of reasons. Um, but you all can because it's a new start and you've created this brand new culture. So like the roots are based in this, um, I'm gonna say um, post-decolonial model. I don't know if you would use those words or not, um, but when the culture is rooted in that, then it's gonna look different than as if it is rooted <laughs> in a very patriarchal colonial model. I, um, I, I shared this story with somebody recently. So when I met Jenny, Jenny was, as she said, 
in a, a staff position, um, a, a leadership position at the theology school that I was attending. And so Jenny was Dr. Witcher. Jenny was also my professor in the classroom, right? A person who was, um, you know, it, I mean, <laughs> higher education just in general, it, it's, it's hierarchy, right? Um, and, and that type of structure. So when I met Jenny, that was the type of relationship that we established. But the space has genuinely and truly been created where I feel like a partner with Jenny in Juniper Formation in our collaboration, in the, the, the space that I have to um, bring an idea to the table, you know, even the way that we work, like we'll set up a time, a work meeting, you know, uh, 90 minutes on the calendar, open up a blank document, start dumping stuff in there, you know, putting things into form and things like that. And we are genuinely, literally, physically collaborating. Um, and, and, it was a seamless transition from student Javon, Professor Dr. Witcher, to now Jenny and Javon, who are collaborators. Who, and part of that is also um, the care and the love that is cultivated outside of those workspaces. You know, as a disabled woman, a disabled Black woman who, you know, continues to navigate life with chronic illness and, and navigate all of these systems and structures, Jenny cares for me as a person, as a human being. Um, and so that is the context in which our working relationship, our collaborative, co-creative relationship exists. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think it can be difficult, um, but I think it, it is in part a reorientation, like internally for a person to say, you know, ego moves to the side, pride moves to the side. I am committed to these ideals. I am committed to this relationship. I'm committed to this entity. I'm committed to actually living out this reimagination of church, this doing things from the margins, this empowering people and, and creating space for people um, that has never happened before. And yeah, I think that's from my perspective, one way that that's, that that's continued to happen. Yeah, Would because I've even, I've even noticed in, in even just our short conversation, like, um, we did not introduce you with titles and we, and then you sort of shifted some of the language of, um, instead of serve, we work with Jenny, do you have any, anything else to sort of speak into that space? Yeah. Um, so one thing is, I, I love your question because <laughs> it's so right because I enter spaces when people say we co-create and collaborate and I'm like, this isn't collaboration, you know, other spaces. Right. And I'm like, what do they mean by those words? It's very different than what we mean. Um, so part of it to the titles piece, um, if you, let's talk about staff, like, so if you're getting paid and we've got a lot of folks we pay because part of centering the margins is recognizing that most folks who are on the margins of the church don't get paid, but are expected to lead <laughs> historically and presently, um, marginalized identities. So we pay folks to lead ministry, period. Um, you are a minister if you work for Juniper Formation, regardless of whether you're ordained or not, regardless of your job, what your, you know, what type of work, you get the same pay. Um, because, you know, we base our pay structure off of scripture that we're all, we're, we're all offered by God gifts and talents to each our own. How are we supposed to rank that and pay that differently? gifts from God that we're using in ministry. 
So we have a universal pay rate. So everyone gets paid the same. So there's, you embed structures and systems that create it, make it really easy to collaborate. So you don't have someone saying like, well, that's not my job, right? Like, cause I'm only getting paid to do this. And I feel really bitter about how I'm mistreated. We don't have that because we treat everyone well. We are generous <laughs> with our pay. We are generous with our time off. We are generous with our flexibility and our benefits. Um, we just approved a just compensation policy, equality and pay and equity and benefits. Um, I'm really excited about it because it took a long time. I drafted the original, like the policy, but our leadership team um, evaluated it, reviewed it, gave feedback. Uh, we edited it and then passed it in January. So a couple months ago. Um, it took a while for me to figure out how to like image this, like, you know, whole package for everybody because all that junk is still in my head about how people get paid in a capitalist society. I came up through the academy, through nonprofit you know, systems also, where you climb the ladder, you get ranked, you get more pay, you get more time off because you're, you know, you've been there longer, all those things. We don't do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that your value is, yeah. So we value people for who they are. Our teams are flexible and evolving. So it's not a committee structure, like in a traditional church setting. Our teams evolve as there is a call to ministry for us, right? And then people on those teams switch in and out. Like we just had someone on a team recently say like, I'm not feeling called to this anymore, but here's where I am called. And so they, they're moving off that team to another and that's great. Like we want people following their call. That's what we want to support. And we want to support them as human beings <laughs> to respond to God's call which means we have to be flexible and caring of one another. Um, and Javon, I appreciate what you just said about me and the same to you and my own, like as a minister in the past year and a half, I had a baby and then my mom died unexpectedly three months after. So the last year and a half has been like a lot <laughs> and I have only felt loved. I've been given so much space, like loving space, right? To take care of myself um, and my process, my grief and to take care of my child and to figure out how to do that at the same time to honor death and new life. Um, right. Like we care about each other and that, that requires flexibility. It requires that, you know, you don't have to show up hundred percent of the time, you know, those expectations, like you have to meet, put every meeting. We don't expect that because life happens. Um, there's just a lot of different cultural ways that you develop, um, but the co-creation piece is the people who are attracted, who are already, you know, in Juniper Formation and who are attracted to being part of Juniper Formation are folks who want to build new ministry, right? They see something, they have a call. Um, we have the gifts and talents and we put the right teams together and folks just build like it. It's amazing. And it sometimes things have to get backburnered. You know, maybe you don't have the funding right away or people have things in life they have to attend to. And then you come back to it, but that's part of that flexibility of so, letting the spirit lead. So for our faith leaders out there listening, for those people who are in more traditional settings, how does, how does this structure of Juniper point to an anti-racist culture? I want folks to think about historically how systems in our country have disproportionately affected um, all kinds of different people, but Black people um indigenous folks hispanic folks asian americans right anyone that is not identified as white 
the ways in which folks have been excluded from educational access, the ways they've been excluded from healthcare and with healthcare now are not treated well, the black um, mortality rate for pregnant people is so much higher than for white pregnant people. All of that contributes to uh, all of us not having what we need to take care of ourselves. So look at our compensation policy. Um, healthcare, Juniper Formation pays 100% of the premiums for healthcare, vision, dental care for you and any way that your family is constructed, right? So that's equity, right? Because I have a family, so my healthcare would be different than a single individual. What, what Juniper Formation is paying for my premiums is going to be higher than an individual staff member who doesn't have an immediate family to cover. So that's the equity piece. You get what you need um, for who you are and who your family is. We also have a generous paid time off structure. So it's like there's time to take care of your health and then there's just a um, bank of paid time off for anything you want. And it's very generous. I think it's um, uh, like 376 hours, I think for the PTO bank. Because when you're doing anti, so someone that's doing anti-racism work, right? Or someone, so a black person doing anti-racism work, um, a queer person doing LGBTQ, ministry. That is going to have a heavier cost and weight on you and your spirit and your body and your emotion and your mental health care because it's not easy to do that work. So take time off. Take time off to take care of yourself, to be with your family and those who love you when you're having to do difficult work in ministry. Um, so those are some of the ways like how do we care uh, for everybody we pay people the same. So regardless of whether you have a ton of degrees like I do or you don't, right? Like I've been privileged in my educational attainment. So has Javon. Um, Javon also has a lot of degrees, but you get the same pay rate as both of us if you don't have any degrees, because what we're looking at is you as a human and taking care of you and your family. How about you, Javon? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so thinking about like the gathering and thinking about reframe um, and in other spaces, the voices that we lift up and the, the the materials and resources that we use, the music that we pull from, uh, for example, with reframe, um, a part of what we're using to um, to guide the different daily devotionals are. Is the, a part of what we're using is uh, Dr. Will Gaffney's lectionary for the whole church. So that is what we're using to break down, you know, the scriptures for each stage, week, and things of that nature. Um, the writers who are contributing to Reframe are, you know, are <laughs> everybody that we named at the beginning um, in terms of how people identify, how people move through the world, how people are seen and perceived, and not just saying, okay, we want you to write about this in this particular way. And this is our voice as Juniper Formation. So we want you to um, to kind of fit yourself into that box. But you be you, you give your perspective, you ask your questions, you give your reflection um, from where you are as you are. And that's a part of what we do for Reframe. And sort of the same for the gathering. We have sort of a cadence and a flow uh, in terms of you know our, our reflection and our scripture and our prayer time together. But the music, you know, from people, uh, voices and, and people who uh, others may not have had had an introduction to before, um, as well as some of the, the, the art we use. We, uh, during our Lectio Divina, we use, um, you know, Asada Shakur and Audre Lorde and, you know, all of these other voices 
that kind of anchor our reflection and, and center us and, and, and help us to think about whatever it is that's going on within the world and within us. And so, yeah, I think even just the voices, the, the, the voices, literal voices um, who are uh, contributing to what it is that we put out there into the world with something like Reframe, as well as the resources that we use to build some of the things that we um, uh, dialogically engage. Um, yeah, all of that is a part of anti-racism work. And to Jenny's point about even like worship, it's not about uh, just the things that we do or the things that we produce or the things that are public facing or for external consumption. It's about how we move through the world, right? Who we are, a part of our structure and fabric um, is really leaning into this. Um, Jenny, I think you said you wanna you wanted to add something else. Yeah, I want to add one of the other benefits that is important to me and speaks to anti-racism well is our parental leave. So we offer six months 100% fully paid parental leave for the birth or adoption of a child. This country is horrible, US, United States, <laughs> at parental leave, at, at giving parents the opportunity to take care of their children. Um, and for parents like breastfeeding, right? Um, black slaves weren't able to breastfeed their kids. Their kids were malnourished because they had to breastfeed the slave owners, white kids, babies. Right, like people don't think that far back, but that has generational impact in terms of like what people think about breastfeeding, right? Whether, you know, it's a priority or not a priority, not everyone can um, produce milk. So that's a whole nother different piece. But taking care of a child, letting your body heal before you have to go back to work, right? Like <laughs> being able to take care of your whole body. Um, is huge and is something that we should be doing. I wish we could offer a 12 month, a full year. Maybe we will soon. Um, but six month is to me, um, is better than what else is out there. Yeah, it's um, amazing. And, and, and to, just to add to, so I um, don't have any kids, but just to speak to the equity and benefits piece, again, as a person, as a black woman who is disabled, this is not like hypothetical, right? Like this is, something that I need right now today. This is something I can't wait for. I have to, I, regardless to where I am, I need one full day a month minimum to take off to go to go to a center to receive treatment so that I can live the quality of life that I desire to live. And not having to worry about, you know, is my job gonna allow me to do that? Or are the people gonna understand that this is actually what I need? And you know, are they gonna send me a text and check on me and say, how were things today? How you feeling? Or send me you know, a couple dollars for lunch or whatever. You know, This is not hypothetical. And this is not something that's like, that, that is um, aspirational. This is something that's needed right now today for me in my body and my experience. So to be aligned with a church, a faith community, um, a, a family that is truly invested in that type of structure means more than I could express. One of the things that, you know, I'm just going to ask, um, you're not supposed to talk about money, you know, but I'm going to anyway, um, because as you guys are talking about these, um, these really great anti-racist, anti-patriarchal, like front edge um, policies and procedures, I also um, understand what it what that costs. Like because um, while we 
would like to not live in a capitalist society. Like all of these structures that we're creating, we actually are, right? Like the United States of America is a capitalist country. And so how do you fund it? How, I mean, I'm sure not having a physical building um, is is super helpful. Like, you know, it, it's probably a, a starting place. Um, but, you know, when I think about um, what it means to pay someone for six months, like um, there are probably some really great people out there in the world who run churches or own businesses or whatever, who are like, I'd love to do that, but how in the world can I afford to do that? So I want you to tell me (laughs) how, how. Yes. And in our world, like denomination and like-minded churches, most pastors are well underpaid and that's Mm -hmm. a, that's a justice issue. So that's part of why we structured it the way we did. Um, Granted in another part of the church world, people are overpaid in like, lavishly and that's inappropriate right that's greedy um how do we fund it so yes uh most of our budget goes directly into um staffing we don't have a lot of other expenses because we don't have a building is one of them um and then a lot of what we do is offering services uh you know like we offer services for free and then some we do fee for services so we offer congregational accompaniment so we work um with congregations uh, established that might want to reimagine their church maybe they feel like they're dying and they need to make that discernment or they want to restart their church or just start a whole new ministry within their church we help them through that process of discernment um identification implementation Uh, Or maybe they want to figure out how to be an anti-racist church. We're happy to consult on that. Like, how do you develop the policies and structures and culture? Um, So we do that work as fee-for-service, and it is our fees are under the going rate for fees right now. They're on a sliding scale. If you have an endowment, you pay the top rate um, because you have money that you can access to spend, even though you might not usually touch it. If you don't have those kind of resources, you pay our lowest rate. We also apply for grants, um, church grants, as well as uh, non-church grants. So, you know, non-religious grants um, that fund our different ministries. And of course, uh, donations are another. So those are like, we have a three-legged stool for our revenue stream. Yeah, and then the other question that is coming to mind for me is, um, you said earlier, this idea of like, um, you pay, people when they lead ministry um and whether they you know have the titles and the degrees and whatever or not um do you like who goes to your church like I know you have a lot of people in kind of leadership roles and people who are leading and you know there's it's kind of like an organic flow of how people come in and out of that sort of staffing structure but can you talk about that and like like how how does that work um i can talk about the kind of if you will for lack of a better way to talk about it categories of people that show up Mm -hmm. um folks a lot of us have had church trauma so imagine the different ways that people are traumatized by the church especially with marginalized identities those folks um because they're still looking for a faith community but they're looking for one that's authentic right um that does what they say they're going to do and is seeking liberation and following christ so they come um that's one group there are we have lots of um ministers or folks who are um seeking ordination um and a number of our ministers are folks from non-traditional settings who don't have 
like there's not a lot of other uh, faith spaces that might make sense for them when they're in alternative ministry um, or different forms of ministry. And let's see, is there anyone, who am I forgetting, Javon? Um, students, people who are in, in, in graduate school who are deconstructing and grappling with I, faith identity um, or what, whatever, however you want to want to uh, describe that process. Um, people who have been not just traumatized, but people who have just, who have decided that church, um, previously decided that church was not a place that was life-giving for them. And so they are, but, but they still, you know, believe in, in God, still believe in the transcendence, still believe in the power of community and are just seeking, um, a place that, as Jenny said, you know, where people are who they say they are and people who are doing what they say they're going to do. Um, and then, you know, across the country as well. So we have folks in different states and different time zones. Um, it's always funny when we're on Zooms and things like that, especially like the gathering and like looking in the background and seeing the varying degrees of, of light or, or sun setting or what have you outside. Um, yeah, like all different ages, people who are retired, people who are, as I said, who are, who are, who are still in school and just starting families and, um, sort of everyone in between. So I am hearing like all kinds of intersectionalities coming into your community and they're coming in mostly virtually because you don't have a building. So you're working virtually with people locally and all over the country. But what I am aware of is that to understand and have the knowledge around this anti-racist work takes a great level of privilege. Um, and so there's, there's that one piece. Um, and also just listening to you, you sound like there are just a lot of really highly educated people. So how do you grapple with that, um, that dichotomy of like, we're doing this work, but we're doing it because we have this knowledge. We have this knowledge because we've been given this privilege to do a lot of study around it and also like we're trying to create a space that is super inclusive of all you know of all types of people um i don't know if that makes sense or not but like i'm thinking of you know i've you know as you know i've served some small local more rural communities um and uh and also like uh served, you know, the elderly that are in a completely different generation and have had a completely different journey um, in this regard of all types of people. What you're doing is really wonderful. And I'm thinking of my grandma who would be like, I've, I have no idea how to enter into this kind of faith community. I don't even know what it means. No one's ever had a conversation with me about it. I've never read a book about it. I, and she is the most loving human, right? Mm -hmm. What does that look like in a community like Juniper? So the way I wanna respond, I want you to hear from the heart because this, the question you're asking is not the same questions, but similar to some questions we got when we went through our process to become a local church, which I think at the heart of it is at some level, do regular folks in traditional churches fit in Juniper formation or is this not for us? 
And I'm not saying that's exactly no. what you're asking. No. But the different, I think the okay. difference is that some of our folks, like you said, where does this grandma, for example, go? We have grandmas. But also some of our folks cannot and will not and are not welcome in the opposite setting. I totally right? get so that. So there's space for both. To me, it's a, it's not a either or, it's a both and, like they're both required. And I would agree, like we're, our leadership is very educated. I don't think everyone who's part of Juniper Formation has a lot of degrees. We do have economic diversity, class diversity, ethnic diversity, and we've listed some others. Um, neurodivert or neurospicy is the word we use for ourselves. Oh my God, I love that. In leadership. So there are a lot of diversities and we're not gonna hit every one right away. We're two years old as a church. <laughs> um, and then I'll tell you like part of my ministry is in my local community, which is Southwest Denver. I live in a very low income neighborhood um, that is also highly diverse. And that's some of my ministries and the relationship that I develop. Are they in the digital church space? No, because some of them don't use computers. Some of those, the folks right. Right, in relationship mm -hmm. to there. And that's to me part of what is unique about having digital and real life space and what we think about when I say what we do is worship, who we are is worship. That's who we are like in the world. And that's not always in a like Juniper Formation branded space, if you will. Um, I'm curious, Javon, how you, would you respond to that? I think the, 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 the last thing that you said is, um, is a part of that. I think, um, as you mentioned at the beginning, worship and anti-racist work and all of the things are a part of our embodied experience and the way that we move through the world and the way that we move through the other spaces that we move through and in the conversations that we have and in the, you know, the times when I tell people that I'm a preacher, that I'm a minister, that this is what I do and they, there, something sparks within them, right? And they see and hear and understand otherwise possibilities in terms of what church looks like, what church um, what ministry looks like, what what it what it looks like to uh, be on a leadership team of a of a faith community and things of that nature. Um, what it means to um, be open and affirming and and all of these things, right? Like this, my like embodiment of being Juniper Formation in the world, and as Jenny mentioned, those conversations and those interactions with folks who may not necessarily enter Juniper Formation branded space, may not be on the Mighty Networks app, but get to experience the the a similar thing to what we experience and what we've uh, attempted to co-create in those spaces in those interactions with each other um in in the hallways when you know um uh, in, in passing when you you, you in, encounter someone and you know jenny has talked about you know um <laughs> giving testimony for various things and folks being like wait what you're doing what you're saying what about this thing and I thought churches believe all churches believe this about this particular topic or what have you and so I think part of that is not only are we prophetically reimagining the church from the margins in the context of these spaces but as we live out our mission in the world and and in and part of it is just like existing right the 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 revolutionary act of just existing in this in this way in the world and being 
um, able to share that story and relay those possibilities to other people and inspire other people to, you know, perhaps have that ripple effect occur. So if a person is just uh, something small is ignited within them, that this is a possibility. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, it's brilliant. Thank you for that answer. I think it's important to, to share that because it, I, I think that, that is what I'm hearing from the heart of all this. I just wanted to, to just put it out there. Yeah. Can I give you an example of like to make this real? So I lift weights at the local rec center Monday through Friday in the mornings. And there's a okay. group of us who are regulars. That's um, a lot of days. Yeah. <laughs> most of the, um, one day is Zumba now, which is very exciting. Um, but most of the people in there are older men um, from the community. And there's some women that are there too. But there's a group of us that talk every day about whatever. And I guarantee you at least once a week, we get into conversations about, uh, we've, we've gotten into conversations about race, about sexism. The other day on the elliptical machines, I was talking to one of them about, um, oh, I'm going to forget the word for it, but there's a new law that is up for debate in Colorado about safe spaces for um, injection drugs for folks who are um, need safe space to do drugs. Um, and so we had a whole conversation about that mm -hmm. and what does it need to what? Harm reduction? Yeah, harm reduction centers. We had a conversation about what does it mean to love people and like if that's your family member, knowing that addiction doesn't end overnight, what do you want from them when they're about to take that drug? Where do you want them to be? Like I, I don't want them in my home and if something bad's about to happen because I don't know how to handle that currently as who I am in this moment. Like I'd rather they be with someone who's trained and knows how to handle if there's an overdose, right? Like I want them somewhere safe. Um, so we had all the, we've had these conversations regularly um, about LGBTQ, like folks who a lot of like progressive Christians, the folks that I'm talking about, like don't think that they think about these things or talk about justice issues. And we wrestle with it together. So that's what we mean. Like when Javon and I are saying like, it's who we are in the world on a regular basis, like, and they all know I'm a pastor, <laughs> right? Which is like, some days is weird um, because it has a like different space to it um, in our community. That's great. I think I'm just, you know, this idea of um, everything is holy, everything is sacred. There is no secular, right? Like it's all, um, embedded in, in our lives. And I think as progressives, we, um, you know, we turned away from that idea, um, kind of polarized from that. And there's something to be said about embracing that, um, taking it back. Um, and, you know, I, I totally resonate with this idea that, um, lots of grandmas have, have lots of spaces. So, it's okay to have a space um, that is not for everybody. Like that's actually, mm -hmm. you know, I think people who are not on the margins get to say that all the time. Yeah. Um, so we're always concerned about um, the the people who have all the privilege and to be able to say, this is a space that's, that's not for you is valid and real. So um, we should finish our time together. But before we do that, um, tell us about how people can find Juniper Formation. How can they um, learn more? How can they get involved if they want to? Um, what are the best points of entry? So juniperformation.org is 
a part of, uh, you know, where you can get information also on social media, Instagram and, and Facebook, Juniper Formation, um, you know, different posts and, and things of that nature, just to kind of help you see what's going on, read about what's going on. And then I mentioned Mighty Networks, which is an app. It's like a, a, a digital gathering space. There are different streams and different sort of subgroups for different ministries, but it is a different like entry point than just sort of observing and taking information in. But that can be accessed at juniperformation.church. Um, it's interactive. It's a place where we are, you know, in conversation constantly about, about various things. Um, the gathering occurs. We had a gathering. Um, we have the gathering. Is it first and third or second and fourth Thursday? First and third. First and third. It has again, as a as we've mentioned earlier, in terms of our model. My school. I'm in. I'm in grad school right now, and my schedule has changed. And so the day of the gathering uh, uh, sometimes changes and evolves, kind of based on life situations. And so. Um, we meet at those times. And again, those links and things like that can be found on social media as well as juniperformation.org about how you can register for the gathering and join us there, be a part of the space, um, interact with us, be in conversation, be in reflection, be in prayer along with us. Excellent. Well, we will um, tag you and um, all of your social media, plus add your website, access to your web website from our um, page for this episode. We are super grateful um, that you have come on. We should just mention that um, Juniper Formation is a recipient of the Tributary Fund of the Rocky Mountain Conference. We talked earlier about um, funding for Juniper Formation, and that grant is one of the ways that you um, make your ministry happen, and it is also one of the ways that um, Jesus has left the building happens. So um, we're glad to be um, buddies in that way, um, fun, fun, funding buddies. I don't know. I just made up a thing. Um, so um, we are grateful for your time and for your ministry in the world. And, um, there are some things that I'm definitely going to be wrapping my head around and I know our listeners will be too. Um, but we encourage you to jump in and, and check it out more at juniperformation.org if you're interested. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Thank you guys. Thank you. If you like what you heard, please give the podcast a five-star rating and review. Also, consider supporting the podcast at patreon.com backslash JHLTV. This podcast is made possible by the Rocky Mountain Conference of the United Church of Christ Tributary Fund. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and message us to learn how you can be part of this effort to tell stories, have conversations, build relationships, and follow Jesus out of the church and into the world.